0: in the right place? The answer is yes. You know, I know that some of you come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Some of you have been to church before, but different kinds of churches. Some of you don't go to church. Some of you are visiting because somebody got baptized. And I just want to say you're in the right place. And I, I'm so excited that you're here. We are ending a series today called Warrior. And this has been an eight part series. Today's the last day. Uh, through the, throughout this series, we've talked about uh, our the vision for our lives that, that God wants us to have, our thoughts, our words, our attitudes. Uh, we talked about righteousness one week. We talked about our mission, staying on mission. And then last week we talked about relationships. But today we're ending on something that I can't, I believe is so important. We're talking about what do you do when you're tempted? What do you do when you're tempted? And if I could just boil down temptation um, in, in, in one little formula, here, here's what I would say: I would say temptation plus a lack of self-control, which we've all been there, uh, you know, at one time or another where we just give in, equals a devastated life. Temptation plus a lack of self-control equals a devastated life. If you give in to the wrong things when you're tempted, even one time, sometimes a few times, sometimes just one time too many, it can completely devastate your life. And so for you, where you're sitting at today, what's your greatest temptation? Think about it. Is it overeating? You know, just can't keep the hands off the Twinkies or whatever your go-to food is. Is it overspending? Man, it's easy these days, isn't it? You you open up that Amazon app and it's like, let's go. And you get a little, little rush of dopamine or whatever that chemical is that makes you feel good when you're spending that money. Is it comparison? You're always comparing yourself to other people. Is it maybe some substance that you're addicted to? Could it be lust, criticism? Maybe you have a temper. Maybe you're addicted to power and control and you just wanna control everything in life. Maybe you're addicted to attention and you're just always seeking attention and, and it's become debilitating. But here's what I know. Every single temptation in life has a trade-off, right? If you wanna have a pure heart in life, the trade-off is intimacy because purity pays the way for intimacy. And so if I give into temptation in that department, I lose the intimacy with my loved ones. If, you know, in your health, there's a trade-off. You can't have the Twinkie and the beach bod. You gotta pick one, right? It's like dad bod or beach bod, right? When your relationships, your integrity, when in, with trust, there's always a trade-off when you're tempted. Some people say, but what's the big deal if it just hurts me? What, what's the big deal if I give into this temptation if, if I'm the only one that's suffering. And I would admit that temptation means nothing if you've got nothing to live for. If you're given into temptation, the things that, the impulses, the things you're tempted to do all the time and it's not really affecting your life much, it could be that there's a lack of purpose in your life. But Jesus says, and some of you came this morning just to hear this, Jesus says you're more than that. And your life is more than that. And so today our definition for temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything in your life that promises satisfaction and it's going to cost you your obedience to God. And so the starting point today is a desire to be obedient to God. You can't, you, you know, temptation doesn't really mean anything. If you don't have this foundation in your life that, God, I want to put you first. Man, how cool was it to see our friends get baptized this morning? Can we just give them one more big hand? And this was the starting point of them saying, hey, world, I belong to Jesus. My whole life is his, right? Then it was their act of obedience and following Jesus in baptism and saying, I want to live for him. And so the starting point is obedience to God. Why? Because of what he's done for us. Why? Because he first loved you. Even when you were still a sinner, even when I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He died for you. He loves you so much. Some of you just needed to hear this this morning. Jesus still loves you. Yes, you've run from him. Yes, you've gone off the rails. Yes, you've been some places you shouldn't have been and you've done some things you shouldn't have done, but Jesus still loves you. He still loves you. He paid a high price for your freedom. He's got plans for you. He sees potential in you. He's not done. And thank you, Jesus, he's the God of second chances. Amen? Some of you came just for that today. He's the God of second chances. And you say, Joe, I've given in to temptation so much, I don't even know who I am anymore. Well, the starting point is obedience to God and starting to say, God, here's my life. I love, you know, we sing that song, Lord, I give my life to you, here's my heart, here's my soul. I just wanna live for you. And that's the heart behind this talk today because remember, temptation isn't really a big deal if you don't have anything to live for, but Jesus, God, has something for you to live for today. Here's a couple of things I want you to know about temptation before we get into God's word. First of all, it's not a sin. Everyone's tempted, Jesus was tempted. Also, you're never above it. You're never gonna get to a place. So if you've been following Jesus for a while and you're like, oh, I've heard this before, nope. You never get above it. You never get past it. Unfortunately, we'll always be tempted. God never tempts anybody. The Bible's really clear about that. He tests people. But we're tempted by our evil desires. And then another thing that we're gonna see today is that there's always a way out. So it's it's never a sin. You're never above it. God doesn't tempt you, and there's always a way out that he provides. And so let's look real quick at this story in Genesis 25, 27 through 28. Two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. How many deer hunters in the house? Anybody brought one down so far? Uh, you're looking for the 30-point buck? Um, uh, great song if you have never heard it. That's, that's good living right there. But you know, so Esau was the, the hunter, Jacob. He had a quiet temperament. He was preferring to stay at home, he was the homebody. Isaac loved Esau, Isaac was their dad because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And so you already see at the beginning of the story, there's competition, there's comparison, there's a little bit of, you know, well, dad loves me and mom loves you. And how many of you know that when you get into comparison, you, you start to feel defeated, that you're just not good enough, and you start to look for ways to compensate. And the enemy, your enemy, the devil, knows just how to hit your buttons. He knows how to play on your circumstances to get you to fall into a trap. And so this happened to Esau. In verses 29 through 34, it says that one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. How many of you have been there? He was hangry, right? Esau was hangry. And Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, Betrayed me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Let's just stop right there. Listen, a hungry need is a dangerous need. A hungry need is a dangerous need. And so when you kind of feel out of control and you're like, oh, I gotta have it, and you're willing to give up the most important things in your life for it, you know that's a dangerous place to be. We do the dumbest things when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Can I get an amen? So Esau, he's ready to trade his best future. And I know that you know, these days, we probably don't have special rights because we're the firstborn son. That was a thing of, this, of their context at that time but you do have God's best in your life. You have potential, you have a future. God God has plans for you. And sometimes when we get in these dark places, we're ready to trade all of that for God's best. Jacob's desire, the one trying to get Esau to fall, man, Jacob's desire for his father's approval, for power, for money, drove him to betray his own brother. A hungry need is a dangerous need. So Jacob says to Esau, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So get this, Jacob makes the demand. Esau is like, I don't care, just give me the food. And Jacob says first, hey, hold up, hold up. Swear to me that your birthright is mine. And here's here's the, the lesson here. Esau had another chance. He could have taken that moment and thought and composed himself and and really thought, hey, do I really wanna give all this away? But he didn't. And it says, So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother, Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. It was over just like that. Have you ever been there? It's like, I know I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't do it. I did it. Ah. And it's done. And you're left with those feelings of guilt and shame and regret. And, and you think, you're, think stuff to yourself, and I'm only saying this because I've thought it about myself and I've been there before too. And you're like, why am I such an idiot? You ever been there? And you're like, why? Why couldn't I see before how I was gonna feel just a few moments later, 60 seconds later? And then the Bible says something that just drives the dagger in. It says that he showed contempt for his first right, or for his rights as the firstborn. What does contempt mean? Contempt means it's the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, it's worthless, and it's deserving scorn. That's some big stuff right there. So basically, whatever you gave up, you're showing contempt for as if it's worthless. Let's translate that into our lives when it comes to temptation. When I give in to something that I know is gonna cost me my obedience to God, what does that mean? It means I'm having contempt for the thing that is most precious to me. What is that? So what did, what did Esau have contempt for? He had contempt for what God had given him. His rights as the firstborn son. How could we translate in this into our vernacular? His future, his potential. All for a lousy bowl of soup. Listen. Listen. When you and I give in to temptation, we show contempt for the priceless sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and what that sacrifice affords us. That's kind of heavy, I know, but this is the truth, that when I choose what is convenient over what Jesus did for me, then I'm acting just like Esau and I'm showing contempt for God's best for me. Wow. Listen, I don't wanna trade my birthright. I don't wanna trade God's best for me for a bowl of soup. I don't wanna trade God's best for me for 60 seconds of pleasure that I get in exchange for a lifetime of regret. That lie, that lust, that relationship, that health choice, it's a cup of soup. It's a cup of soup. So what's, what's your cup of soup once again? Could it be overeating, overspending, comparing, substance abuse, lust, criticism, temper, you're never good enough? What is it? Are you tempted to think what you want to think instead of what God thinks about you? Remember, God's got plans for you. And this message isn't meant to beat you up this morning or make us feel bad because we all give in to temptation. Jesus is the only one that has ever walked this planet that didn't give in at some point. He's the only one. And so we're all in the same boat together today. And so the point isn't to feel bad about ourselves, the point is to say, what do we do with this? So what do you do when you face temptation? Number one, follow along in your notes, you can fill in the blanks. The first thing you gotta do when you're faced with temptation is you gotta think long. You gotta take the long game, you gotta think into the future. Hebrews 12:1 says, therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So what is it saying? Hey, there's been people before you that have done it. There's people around you right now that are doing it. There's going to be people in the future that have done it and that are going to do it. And so you're surrounded by people that can set the example for you, that have run the race, that have fought the good fight, that have said no to the temptation, that have chosen Jesus, and it's saying, hey, you're surrounded by all these people. You might not know them. You might not see them. You might not have gotten acquainted with them yet, but they're there once you step into the family of God. And it's saying, hey, you've been surrounded, so hey, let's do it. Let's strip off the sin. Let's get rid of the junk in our lives, and let's run the race that Christ has set out before us. So We think long in the past, hey, they stayed strong so I could stay strong. Maybe you've got a grandmother who prayed for you her whole life and she was committed and she followed Jesus the best you can. She's been praying for you. Hey, because she stood strong on God's word, you can too. Maybe you have a friend that's been praying for you to come to know Christ and, and they're standing in the gap for you and they're praying for you. And hey, because they've stood strong, you can too. I know that I, my, my dad has been a great example. My mom, man, because they did it, I know that I can too. I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're gonna think long into their future. We're gonna think long into the future. Listen, your future needs you to stay strong. Your kids need you to stay strong, your family needs you to stay strong, the people that look up to you that you influence, whether it's at work, maybe you're a teacher or or a lawyer or whatever you do, the people that watch you on a daily basis, they need you to stay strong, not just now, but all the way till the end. Listen, if they stayed strong, I can stay strong. Listen, defeated thinking is always short view thinking. And it says, I'm the only one that's going through what I've gone through. I'm the only one that has, has these circumstances. I'm the only one. No one else in my life really knows what it's like for me to go through what I'm going through. So that, that's how I'm rationalizing giving in. No one understands my life. That's defeated thinking. But victorious thinking, thinking long says, they did it, so can I. I've been given everything that I need for life. That's what the Bible says. Jesus understands and will reward me for my my faithfulness. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, but was without sin. He did it. You can too. You can. You can do it. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, it's never too late to be who you might have been. We need that attitude that just because you've given in before doesn't mean you have to give in the next time. Amen? You can do it. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Just a couple verses later in Hebrews 12, it says, Think about all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't grow weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. It's the long view. I'm thinking back to what Jesus did. I'm thinking forward into the future. My, my future needs me. So I'm not going to give up. Number two, you got to pre decide how you're going to act in certain situations. Most of the time, when we have a real battle against temptation, we're facing the same thing over and over again. Have you been there? That you face the same thing and, and basically, have the same response. You might win sometimes, but probably more than often, more often than not, uh, you lose the battle. I know that I've been there as well. And so I've got to pre-decide how I'm going to respond in that situation. I'm not going to leave room for any other response. I'm going to leave no room for evil in my life. I'm going to pre-decide my calendar, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to do, and how I'm going to respond. You know what this is the opposite of? This, and this is just an example. It's the opposite of channel surfing, right? And, and you can think of what areas in your life are you just channel surfing? You know, back in the day, and you kids don't know this, but back in the day, we used to turn on the TV and we used to sit down. And to know what was on TV that day, what'd you do? Click, click, click. And some of you were really fast surfers. You're like, click, 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 click. click, And like you, in like 30 seconds, you know what's every, on every channel. How many of you, that was you, anybody? And, and the people around you, you're, you're like, wait, wait, stop. I can't see what's on. And you got your brother and sister yelling at you because they're not processing it at the same speed as you. And you're like, hey, I know. Boop, 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 Okay, we're good. And some of you are laughing because you know it's true. But we do this in life. We're like, what's on? Nowadays, it's scroll, 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 and we're channel surfing in life. Hey, what are they up to? Hey, oh, man, I want that. Oh, hey, I want to be like that. Oh, hey, I better go spend some more. Oh, man, I need a new high. I need something else that is going to make me feel good. And so, but we got to pre-decide what we're going to do because if you just start channel surfing in life, you start scrolling through life, you're putting yourself right in the place where you're probably gonna fall. I would say even make your rest purposeful, even make the times when you're resting purposeful. Listen, purpose redefines the mundane and makes it meaningful. And so every single hour of your day, all of my life, God, I give you my heart, everything, I'm gonna plan, and I'm gonna pre-decide what I'm gonna do and where I'm gonna be. And you're gonna take even the most normal things in life and make them purposeful again. Listen, rest isn't doing whatever you wanna do. Rest is doing what's best for you. See what we did there? We redefined it. A lot of times we're just like, I just need me time. And in that meantime, we usually feed on things that aren't even necessarily helpful for us. And temptation begins to creep in. And so rest, we're gonna redefine. Work, we're gonna redefine. It's not a drudgery. It's an act of worship, and I'm doing it unto God. You're not there to mess around. Family, family is a gift from the Lord, and so I'm not gonna show contempt for my family by giving in to temptation. Let's look at how Joseph did it really quick. Listen, the, the Joseph in the Old Testament, amazing story. I encourage you to go back in Genesis and read it this week. But Joseph he had a vision for his life that God had given him. But his brother sold him into slavery. He is taken to, to Egypt and he gets put into slavery in the house of Potiphar. And that's where our story picks up today. And he's there in the house. He's doing amazing. He's taken lemons and he's making lemonade, right? He could have been like, oh, I'm sold into slavery. I might as well just go eat some worms. Like he could have done that. But he didn't, he's, he's doing the right thing, he's working hard, he's, he's being a good example. And Potiphar's wife comes after him to try to seduce him. And day after day after day, she's coming to him and wants him to come away with her and be unfaithful to God. And so in Genesis 39, 10, Joseph says this, no one here has more authority than I do. He, which is Potiphar, has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. I love this. He pre-decided where he was gonna go, what he was gonna do because he knew he was a man. And he probably couldn't come face to face with that temptation over and over and over and over and over without making a bad choice. Maybe he could have, maybe he couldn't. But hey, the Bible says that, man, a man's heart is deceitfully wicked. And Joseph probably knew, hey, I'm not gonna put myself in that situation over and over and over. And so I'm gonna steer away. I'm gonna pre-decide. I'm not even come close to that temptation in my life. Joseph didn't make a decision in the heat of the moment when he was faced with constant flirtation. He made a pre-decision not to sleep with a woman who was not his wife, case closed. He wasn't gonna trade God's best in his life for a 60 second cup of soup, right? He could have said, oh, I've been abandoned. I've been sold into slavery. My future is ruined. Don't I deserve just even a little bit? of pleasure, but he didn't say that. So what do you and I have to do? We have to establish some boundaries and then we gotta put up a no trespassing sign, right? We gotta say, no, I predecided I'm not gonna go there. I don't know what tempts you, but I just wanna encourage you to pre-decide, to run away from it, and then calendar your schedule to where it's never even an option to give in. Predecisions where I'll go, who I'll spend time with, what I'll watch, what I'll have access to, what I'll spend my money on. Listen, men and some women, if the computer or the device is the problem, put it in the public place in your house where everyone its accountable and everyone sees. If, you know, the certain friend is a problem, they're always dragging you down. Then get another friend to hold you accountable that, hey, you're not gonna be alone with that friend because you do stupid things when you're with that friend. Do whatever you have to do, pre-decide that you're not gonna put yourself in that situation. If shopping is the issue, maybe you need to give your spouse all your passwords and let them change them. (laughs) Whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta do, don't sacrifice your future for what you want now. Number three, we gotta install escape hatches. We gotta install escape hatches. If then, if I fall into this kind of temptation, what am I gonna do? And we're gonna pre-decide. Listen, some of you have never fought like this before. You've never never said, hey, I'm gonna start fighting against the temptations in my life. And if that's you today, once again, you're in the right place. And I wanna encourage you to, to start thinking man how am i going to fight against the temptations that are going to are going to hijack my future and so since not, some of you have never fought this way before if you begin to fight in this way the devil is going to step up his game and you're going to have to do you know you're going to have to fight in ways that you've never fought before you're going to have some new challenges that you've never had before because you're beginning to fight. And that's what this series is all about. That, hey, I'm gonna be a warrior and I'm gonna fight for God's purposes in my life, right? And so in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, it says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Remember, you're never above temptation. And so it says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You see, the devil wants you to think that you're the only one, and you're not. The temptations you're experiencing are no different. And so what does it say? God is faithful. He will not allow you to be, the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So that's a promise that there will always be a way out, that you can always endure. Why? Because God's got your back. He's looking out for you. you. And so don't get too big for your britches and think that you you can handle it. Why? Because you can't. What you can do is you can take the way out. If you stay in the situation repeatedly, you will fail. That's why God gives you a way out. He gives you an escape hatch, but you've got to take it. If you want to be stronger than you've ever been, you're going to have to do things that you've never done. You're going to have to get up and walk out of the room. You're going to have to put, you know, um, different monitoring devices on your phone or on your computer or whatever and be accountable to somebody. You're going to have to do something you've never done. If you want to conquer something that has always had your number, you got to do it. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Man, there's a huge word there that we don't like and it's submit and say, God, not my will, but your will. God, not my way, but your way. God, I haven't been able to conquer this before and so I'm going to submit to your ways, right? This is a new level of surrender. This is, this is not religion. It's not just showing up to church. It's saying, hey, I want a relationship with you, Jesus, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to honor that relationship. And then lastly, Matthew 26, 41, as we close today, it says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. This is your number one escape hatch. When you're tempted, you're gonna pray, God, where's the, where's the way out? God, what do I need to do? You're gonna turn straight to prayer. What did Jesus say? For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so you come to Jesus with all your weakness and your brokenness and the the ways that you've fallen before and you say, God, I messed up before and I don't wanna mess up again. I wanna do what's right because I don't wanna show contempt for what you've done for me on the cross. The question is not, will he forgive you? The question is not, you know, is there enough grace for you? And there's, there's always enough grace. The question is, are you going to honor what Jesus done on the cross for you? As long as you're still breathing, there's still grace. But Jesus wants more for you than that. He's got plans for you. And, and, and I don't know about you, but left to my own devices, left to my own devices, I'm gonna self-sabotage my life. I'm not that good. I need Jesus. And so what do I need to do? I need to look for that escape hatch. I need to submit myself to God. I need to keep watching and keep praying and keep surrendering my life to Christ. Because I don't wanna miss out on what Jesus has for me. And I believe that there's something deep and down deep down inside every single one of you in this room, that you know that God has more for you than what you're experiencing right now. And I I believe that more is found and held in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you say, Joe, you know, I haven't been much about church, I haven't been much about this whole religion thing. Well, hey, I just wanna encourage you, this is not about religion, it's about a relationship that you can have with Jesus. And the reason that we resist temptation, we resist the devil, and we want him to flee is because we wanna be close to Jesus. Why? Because he's worth it. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He left his throne in heaven. He walked this earth just like you and me, flesh and blood. He lived a sinless life. He looked everyone in the eye that hated Him. He had conversations with them. He did life with them. He he tried to win them over. He challenged them. He spoke into their life. And then regardless of who was with Him, regardless of who stuck around, Jesus went to the cross. He paid that ultimate price. He died for you and for me. He paid the debt that we owed because of our sin. He rose again on the third day and he did all of that because he wanted to be close to you. He did all that because he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did it because he wanted to be close to you, not just now, but forever. So what are you gonna do today? What are you going to do when you're tempted? What kind of decisions do you need to make make today that are going to help you navigate the waters of temptation moving forward? Remember, being tempted is not a bad thing. Don't beat yourself up. But say, hey, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I need you more than anything. Help me, Father. Help me to see the escape hatches, to make the pre-decisions that I need to make. God, to think long about my family and my future and, and what you want to do in my life. Help me, Father, to not trade your best for a cup of soup. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today, if, if you need to give your heart to Jesus today, you say, Joe, hey, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I want to start one today. I want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to, maybe for the first time ever, believe that he died for me and rose again, and commit to follow him. To dec- I wanna decide today to follow Jesus. If that's you today and, and you say, hey, I don't, how, I'm, all my questions aren't answered, I don't know what this is all about, but I, I know today that it's time for me to start following Jesus. If that's you today and you just wanna say, make a commitment this morning to follow Jesus, uh, just boldly raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you today, amen. Thank you. Say, hey, I want to follow Jesus today. Awesome, you can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, I just want to encourage you right now at your seat to just pray a prayer in your own words, just inviting Jesus to to be Lord of your life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. You accept that free gift of salvation that Jesus has given you afforded to you through his death on the cross. Jesus, we invite you to be Lord of our life. We decide today we wanna to follow you. God, we say goodbye to the old life and we step into the new life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I've been wrestling, battling, man, I know exactly the temptation in my life that I need to do to, to battle against. And, and as we close today, you just wanna say, Joe, I'm, I'm making a new commitment to fight against this temptation in my life. And I'm, I'm gonna go home and put these, put these thoughts into practice. And so if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if that's you this morning, as I pray this closing prayer, just raise your hand as a commitment to God. God, that's me, I'm gonna step up my game. God, we're here today and we just put your, ourselves in your hands. We wanna to surrender to you, we wanna put you first. And so help us as we're tempted to watch and pray. to to pre-decide, to not put ourselves in situations uh, needlessly that we know are gonna gonna be bad for us. God, help us to stay strong because of what you've done for us on the cross. God, you made a way so that we don't have to give in, but that we can walk and strengthen you. In Jesus' name.